And welcome back, everybody, to episode 31 of Rounding Third, the baseball podcast. Back again after another week of baseball action. We're going to talk about Kershaw breaking a Dodger record. Big news in the allegations against Trevor Bauer. And the first no-hitter of the year. Uh, James, let's roll the intro. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Welcome back, everybody, to another Sunday episode or Monday episode of Rounding Third. Um, it's good to be back, James. We got another week of baseball action in the books and a lot of good stories this week. A lot of things happened across Major League Baseball. And anything to say before we jump right into the rapid recap and talk about what's been happening? Yeah, I think one other thing that I would just advertise is uh, we are going to be going through our power rankings since the month of April ended. It is May 1st when we are recording, also taking you through our way too early MVP Cy Young frontrunners. Um, yeah, great day for me. Kershaw set the record. Can't wait to talk about it. All right, let's jump right into it then. Let's talk about the series that have gone down this week. I'll start it off one game set between the Giants and Brewers. Just a weird one-game one series. But the Giants win the game 4-2, despite Corbin Burns going 6.2 innings pitched, only giving up two hits and 11 strikeouts. It was a bullpen game for the Giants, and Jock Peterson continues to be pretty hot. Luis Gonzalez also goes deep, and the Giants win a one-game series. And the Phillies traveled to Colorado to take on the Rockies. That resulted in a 4-0 sweep for the Philadelphia Phillies. Game one, Hoskins went three for five. Game two, we saw Blackman homer twice and still Colorado lost 10 to three. Game three, Harper's back, goes three for four with a triple. Uh, In game four, you see Philly win seven to one while only recording four hits. Wheeler, great start, zero hard runs on six innings pitch. Big stuff in the AL East, a division that's been super competitive thus far with a lot of really good teams. Red Sox traveling to Toronto to play the Blue Jays. Blue Jays win the series 3-1. The Red Sox have been struggling a little bit starting, but Berrios has a great uh, pitching performance in Game 1. And 10 total hits for the Blue Jays, including homers from Matt Chapman, Gurriel Jr., and Bo Bichette hit his first grand slam. Game 2, the Blue Jays came back from 5-2 down in the bottom of the ninth to win in the 10th. Thanks to George Springer, who's been amazing this year. Game three was the game that the Red Sox won. Xander goes four for four. Michael Walker, my guy, uh, pitched great for the Red Sox, and they avoid the sweep. In game four, as I said, all Blue Jays. Alec Manoa gets seven shutout innings, and Blue Jays win 1-0. Next, we have the Battle of Texas, where the Houston Astros travel to the Texas Rangers. Houston ultimately wins the battle 3-1 in the series. Game one, we see Adoles Garcia have a three RBI game. Corey Seager goes two for four uh, in the win. Game two, Jake Odorizzi, six innings pitched, looked great. Only gave up one hit, and that was a home run to Adoles Garcia. Had a nice little one-two there. Game three, Kyle Tucker clocks a three RBI game, which he also had a three RBI game in game two. So back-to-back right there for Kyle Tucker. He then follows that up 
by coming into pinch hit in game four where he hits a two-run home run. Verlander goes seven innings pitched, allowing four hits and one earned run. Um, gets the win despite Martin Perez uh, going seven innings, only giving up two hits and one earned run. I'll be quick with this one, a series we've already talked about in the last episode, Mets uh, coming to St. Louis to play the Cardinals. Mets, as we talked about, took it down 2-1. Game one was a pitcher duel, Scherzer and Michaelis. Both went seven, seven innings deep and didn't give up a run. And Mets came back 2-0 down in the bottom of the ninth to win 5-2. Game two, Hicks was pulled early, and Bassett actually um, just destroyed the Cardinals. Cardinals that game. Mets win 3-0. And Cardinals avoid the sweep in game three, get 15 hits. But the story was the Arenado fight that resulted in the one-game suspension that he served today. But Mets win the series 2-1. Next, we got an NL West matchup as the Dodgers travel to the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks steal the series 2-1. Only thing to point out, game one, Walker Bueller throws the first complete game shutout of his career. Only allowed three hits on the day. No walks, 10 Ks, immaculate game. Dodgers drop the next two. How about the Cleveland Guardians who coming off a sweep of the White Sox travel to the Angels to play a really, really good Angels team. And Angels sweep the Guardians at home 4-0. The Angels just look amazing. They have the highest OPS in all of baseball. Bieber, Otani, Ward. Um, or excuse me, Trout, Otani, Ward. But in Game 1, Bieber gives up two home runs to Taylor Ward. Um, game 2, Patrick Sandoval goes 7 innings pitch, 2 hits, 9 Ks. Just gets all over the Cleveland offense. Trout goes 2 for 3 with a homer. Game 3 was a really impressive start by Shohei Otani, um, uh, who also goes 3 for 5 from the plate. Trout goes 2 for 3 with 2 RBIs, and Taylor Ward hits a grand slam. The Angels win that, despite Jose Ramirez uh, hitting 2 home runs. And... Game four to complete the sweep at home. Angels bats continue to hit well, um, and they get the 4-1 win in game four in a big four-game sweep. Next, the Milwaukee Brewers traveled to Pittsburgh for an NL Central matchup. The Brewers got the three-game sweep. Game one, we see Willie Adamas get a four-hit, seven-RBI game where he collected 11 total bags, and Woodruff still having a rough out-in. Game two, Nothing mentionable, but Game 3 is all about Andrew McCutcheon. Has the best game in Pittsburgh he had had since he was on the Pirates. as a three-hit day, three RBIs. Let's talk about the Padres going to Cincinnati to play the Reds. The Reds currently sitting at 3-18 and on the series, or on the season. Padres sweep them 3-0 in Cincinnati. I mean, this was all Padres the whole series. Machado goes 4 for 5. Hosmer 2 for 4 in the final games. They sweep the Reds. Hosmer and Machado both have, you know, extremely high batting averages. Two of the highest in all of baseball, and the Padres are looking good. The Mariners travel to Tampa Bay to take on the Rays. Tampa Bay defends their home stadium 2 to 1. Game 1, the Mariners put up seven runs in the fourth and win the game 8 to 4. Game two is all about Drew Rasmussen. Best start of his career, he goes six innings, no earned runs, two hits, a walk with nine Ks. In game three, one of the most electric guys in baseball, Brett Phillips, delivers two RBIs and a 2-1 victory for Tampa Bay. 
How about another AL East matchup? Orioles visiting the Red Hot Yankees, who have the best record in the American League. The Yankees get the sweep at home of the Orioles. They just hit so many home runs this series. Uh, game one was a three home run game by Rizzo that we talked about. Also, Joey Gallo got his first of the year, and Aaron Judge hit one on his birthday. Game two, Stanton hit his number 350 on his career, and Gallo goes deep in back-to-back games for his second homer of the year. In game three, to complete the sweep, Judge gets another home run, and the Orioles commit five errors as Yankees get the sweep. Uh, just a note about that, the Orioles have been a thorn in the side of the Yankees for a while, so big for that fan base and, and that team to uh, get that monkey off their back. Uh, keeping it on the east side of things, we're going to travel to the National League, where we had the Marlins go to the nation's capital to take on the Nationals. Marlins get the 3-0 sweep. Joey Wendell goes 2-3 for three with three RBIs in Game 1. Game 2, Jazz Chisholm, solid 2-3 for three from the day. Pablo Lopez, good start. And Game 3, Trevor Rogers delivers again for Miami. In the AL Central, the struggling White Sox host the Kansas City Royals, and the Royals win the series in Chicago 2-1. Game 1 was all about pitching. Daniel Lynch goes six innings pitched, gives up two hits and seven strikeouts for the Royals. Dallas Keuchel, again, has a tough start, walks five batters, only striking out two and four innings pitched. The Royals run away with it 6-0, thanks to Bobby Wood Jr. and Ben Attendee, each going two for five. In Game 2, though, White Sox get their one win of the series. They snap a losing skid. Dylan Cease looked amazing on the mound, and Vaughn hit a three-run homer to win 7-3. In the final game, Royals score three runs in the top of the 10th to go up 5-2, and they hold it in the bottom of the 10th to get the extra winning, extra inning series win. Next, the Chicago Cubs travel to Atlanta to take on the Braves. The Braves defend their stadium, win the series 2-1. Game 1, pretty cool story. Travis Demerete, uh, big question mark there, but Travis uh, Demerete, we're going to go with, had not homered since 2019. As he was in the on-deck circle, a fan asked him to hit a home run. He steps up to the plate, smacks it over the right field wall. Pretty cool story there. Uh, Stroh remains winless for the Cubs, despite decent pitching efforts, and once again, Max Reed, very solid. Game two, all about Pat Wisdom. Pat Wisdom. Massive home run in the 10th inning gives the Cubs the win by three in extras. Game three, Ronald Acuna back in a major league lineup for the first time since that ACL injury. He gets one hit, goes one for five on the day. Great to have him back. Kyle Wright, great start. Another team that's been spicy hot is the Minnesota Twins, who hosted their AL Central rival, the Tigers. Twins get the sweep of the series, 3-0. Game one was thrown away by the Tigers at the end of the game. Um, they came back with a hobby bias, three-run homer in the eighth to take the lead, and then a throwing error resulted in a Twins walk-off. Game two, Joe Ryan looks really good early, gives up one hit and seven innings pitched, plus Max Kepler, who's also been hot. It's two bombs. Twins shut out the Royals in that game. In game three, Twins win their seventh straight behind Correa's three RBIs. Next, the Oakland Athletics traveled to San Francisco to take on the Giants. That resulted in a 1-1 draw of that quick two-game series. Game one, all about Rodon, has looked absolutely electric in San Francisco. Passes giant legend Tim Lincecum for the most Ks to first four appearances. Wilmer Flores, four RBIs on the day. Game two, little 1-0 victory for Oakland. Chad Pinder, only RBI. And for the second group of series this week, Padres 
went to Pittsburgh to play the Pirates. Padres win the series 2-1. Cronenberth and Kim both go deep in Game 1. Darvish has a solid outing for the Padres, and they get the win 7-3. Game 2 was a crazy walk-off. It was the one win for the Pirates in the series. Bottom 10, Brian Reynolds hits an RBI to score Key Brian Hayes on a call they originally called him out and then reviewed it and called him safe. Pirates win. Game 3 in the grudge match was great pitching from Musgrove and Keller, but Padres win 5-2. Next we have one of the most electric matchups in my opinion. You had the Mariners traveling to Miami to take on the Red Hot Marlins. Miami ends up winning the series, going 2-for-1. Game one, all about Jorge Soler and Josh Rojas both get two run home runs. <clears throat> Marlins extend their win streak to six. Game two, on the back of a quality start by Jesus Luzardo. Miami extends the streak to seven. And today, the Mariners' offense bounced back with a vengeance and ended Miami's win streak. Talking about the Red Sox going to Baltimore to play the Orioles, the Red Sox have been struggling, and they continue with dropping a series to the Baltimore Orioles, losing the series 2-1. Um, game 1 was the game that the Red Sox win. Christian Arroyo goes deep, and the Red Sox pitching looks really good as they win 3-1. In Game 2, Orioles rally to win the game 2-1 in the 10th off of a throwing error from the Red Sox pitcher Sawamura. That's tough to see. And then in today's game, after a bunch of rain delays all throughout the game, uh, Orioles hitting getting Orioles hitting gets it done and beat the Red Sox in a series. And in a series that Roundley Third had eyes all over, the Astros sure. traveled to Toronto to take on the Blue Jays. This was Max's lock of the week that Toronto would win the series. I've got great news, Max. Toronto did win the series. Two to one. Tight game today. Got it done. Game one, Jordan Alvarez goes three for four with three RBIs and a homer. Vladdy also gets a home run up to six on the year. Game two, Jordan Alvarez, not done, gets another home run. Didn't matter because George Springer, facing his former team, hits two solo shots for Toronto to win game two, two to one. Toronto wins game three. Max, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. How about going to Chicago, the White Sox, the Red Hot Angels travel to play Chicago Game four is actually today as this is coming out, but as it stands right now, the Angels are up 2-1 to one in the series. This has just been all about the Angels' offense. Taylor Ward goes 3-for-5, Shohei homers, and seven Angels pitchers only give up three hits in a 5-1 win, um, despite Lucas Giolito's return to the mound after injury. Game two is the one that the Chicago White Sox have won thus far. They get a homer from Luis Robert uh, and win the game 4-0. Finally, in Game 3 today, the Angels survive a five-run ninth inning from the White Sox to win the game 6-5. They were up 6-0 going into the ninth and ended up winning 6-5. Trout goes 2-for-2 with three runs scored, a homer and a double. Taylor Ward goes 2-for-4 with two runs. He has a 400 average and over 500 on-base percentage. Next, the Minnesota Twins escape the cold by traveling to St. Petersburg, Florida to take on the Tampa Bay Rays. The Twins get it done, win the series 2-1. to one. Game 1 is all Rays. Corey Kluber has a great start, only allows one hit. Wander Franco, another multi-hit game. He seems destined for him. Game 2, exciting storyline. Kyle Garlick goes 2-for-3 with a home run. Gets pinch hit for it, and Max Kepler goes yard in his place. Carlos Correa, three-hit game. Uh, game 3, all about the Twins again. Byron Buxton, another home run. Crushing baseballs. 
How about the Atlanta Braves, the defending champs who have been struggling a little bit to start the season, traveling to Texas to play the Rangers. Rangers win the series 2-1. to one. Um, Braves only won game one. Uh, and William Contreras hit two home runs. Ryland um, and Braves 6-3 win. Seager goes deep, and that's notable. Um, and then in game two, Dane Dunning pitches a gem, and Rangers out hit the Braves 4-3 to win 3-1. to one. Seager goes deep again. And then in game three today, to cap it off, Rangers get 11 hits in the rubber match. And steal a series, Braves fall to 10 and 13. Next, we have an NL Central matchup as the Chicago Cubs travel to Milwaukee to face the Brewers. The Brewers win the series 2-1. Through the first two games, there was a 20-2 run differential in favor of the Brewers. It was a massacre. Game one, Hunter Renfro homers twice. Brewers have six home runs as a team. Uh, um, also, Yelich hit a home run at game one. In game two, Yelich and Renfro again both homer. Uh, that was back-to-back games for them. And Eric Lauer looks great. 11 strikeouts and seven innings. Seven innings pitched, allowing one or run. Excuse me. And then the Cubs win today to avoid the sweep. How about the Red Hot Yankees talking about another one of their series? They went to Kansas City to play the Royals, who the Cardinals play next. Um, but the Yankees sweep them 3-0. The Yankees just continue to hit home runs. Uh, game one, they had four home runs. Stanton, Rizzo, Judge, Glaber, Torres all hit one. They win 12-2. Game two, Garrett Cole had his best start, best start of the season. Um, and Yankees win their eighth straight. In game three, Judge hits two more home runs and gets three RBIs. The Yankees win 6-4 and win their ninth straight game. Next, the Cincinnati Sweeps uh, headed out west to Colorado where they got swept again. Rockies win that series three games to none. Uh, Tommy Fong goes four for five. Does not matter. Elise Diaz goes two for four with a home run. Rockies get it done. Ryan McMahon goes two for three with two RBIs in game two to get it done. Game three, all Rockies. Reds looking terrible as ever. How about a Diamondbacks team that swept, or excuse me, won two out of three against the Dodgers, traveled to St. Louis to play another good team in the National League in the St. Louis Cardinals. They split the series 2-2. Cardinals looked good in game one. They get 15 singles um, and win 8-3. Dakota Hudson had probably his best outing of the year, giving up one hit in six innings. Game two, though, the Diamondbacks come back and get it despite a first inning homer for Goldie, his first of the year. Um, but D-Bags, D-Bags, Get a win off of Mad Bum start to win 6-2. Game two, game three, excuse me, Marte and Nick Ahmed both hit homers. Um, and they win 2-0 just like that. And today, Cardinals finally got one back as Arenado and Bader go back to back to win 7-5. Big RBI from Albert as well. Next we have the Guardians traveling to Oakland. Guardians get the sweep, three games to none. Uh, once again, they swept the team. They got swept. Now they're sweeping again. Love brooms in Cleveland. Game one, J-Ron back two for three, two RBIs and a homer. He had two walks as well. Uh, and Darius Jimenez goes three for four with four RBIs in the game. Game two, really awesome story. Max, you may have to correct the pronunciation here. Richie Palacios. Palacios. Go, he has a two-run go-ahead double in the ninth for a 3-1 to one win in his third major league start in his career. Electric stuff there. Cleveland closes it up on Sunday, gets the sweep. And just one more series each, um, and we'll talk about 
the Mets Phillies later before Sunday Night Baseball. But Nationals go to San Francisco to play the Giants, and the Nationals actually steal a series in San Francisco. Um, in Game 1, the Nationals on Apple TV get 22 hits and win 14-4, snapping an 8-game losing streak. Only Cruz and Ruiz didn't have multiple hits in the game, and Soto um, was the only home run in that 14-4 win. Game 2, rough sparks Giants offense, and they get it done, 9-3. And then today, huge start from Josiah Gray. Uh, throws six innings pitched, only gives up one hit, walks four, but you know, good start for a young guy. Um, and the Nationals win 11-5. And finally, to wrap it up, we had the Tigers travel to Los Angeles. The Dodgers defend Dodger Stadium, going 2-1 to one for the series. Game one, Justin Turner and Chris Taylor both get a home run. Javi has a two-hit day. Game two, Javi back again with a two-hit day and two RBIs. Very unfortunate game. Clayton Kershaw breaks the record for all-time strikeouts for a Dodgers pitcher. We will get into that later. Detroit takes that game, unfortunately. And today, the Dodgers cleaned it back up. Javi Baez, another hit. Five hits on the series. There we go. You know, another that week of games. That is your recap. And another week of games in the books. Um, you know, there's been a lot of good storylines to follow this week and you know one storyline I know we're going to kick it off with is in a series that we actually didn't talk about um, because it's Sunday Night Baseball but James how about we just get right into it I'll uh, just throw this at you the Mets combined for the first no hitter of the year um, started off with Taylor McGill pitching and then they go through a bunch of different pitchers and get a combined no hitter didn't give up one hit. They gave up six walks, though. So it's not like the game didn't have base runners. It just seemed like the Phillies' offense wasn't producing. How do you feel about this? Was this more just Phillies not being able to get a hit, or was this impressive from this Mets staff? I mean, it's impressive from the staff. Again, Phillies' offense seems to be very much they're either going to clobber you and score double-digit runs, or they're completely non-existent, and you know the bats just aren't even there. Then any time that a staff comes together to throw a no-hitter, it's it's a big mark, but, you know, and it's good. It's first no-hitter of the year. But honestly, I don't care about combined no-hitters, like, at all. It's like, yeah, cool, whatever, thumbs up. But, like, I just don't care because if you break it down, like, you realistically, if you want a no-hitter, you probably can just pitch nine different pitchers one inning and, and have a decent chance because no one's seen the same pitcher twice. It's just, you know, people are celebrating this like it's something crazy, and it's just like, come on. It, it really only matters if you have one pitcher go nine innings and not get hit. Interested to hear your take, Max, but I've never cared about combined no-hitters. No, I mean, I, I think you have some good points. I mean, obviously, I think if the goal of baseball was to optimize your chance to get a no-hitter, I think there would be different ways to go about it. You know, like you said, pitching one uh, pitcher per inning. Sure. But I, and I agree. I think it's more impressive when you have, you know, one guy go through the lineup three or four times, however many it is and get it, get all the outs. I think that's definitely more impressive and definitely more exciting. And it does seem like combined no hitters always tend to have some type of asterisks um, within the baseball community around them, just because, you know, it's not one pitcher going deep and doing it, but it is still impressive to get through an entire game and not allow a hit. You know, that's exactly what you want from your staff. So, I mean, it's great. You know, it's nice to have a no-hitter. It was fun to watch. Um, but, you know, I don't really care, to be honest. Yeah, you know, it's a cool thing, but just 
Yeah, it's a cool thing, you know, maybe tip your cap to it. But, like, we don't need Twitter graphics about it. We don't really need to care. Giant asterisk, who cares? The Diamondbacks did it to the Dodgers last year. I didn't care then. I don't care now. Like, if you can't get a guy to give me the whole game no hit, then I, I just don't care. I mean, you know, Dave Roberts, he loves going for combined no hitters. They don't matter. Just don't matter at all. Don't care. Like, congrats, Mats. You know, it's nice. The staff did great. You put out an excellent pitching performance, but, like, I don't need the headline. Save the tweet. Save I think, the push I mean, notification. I think you have a more of a harsh stance on it. Like, I think it's good. Like, I think it's historic. It's a no-hitter. But, I mean, I agree it's not the same. It's not historic. I'm pushing how back. About something that, how about something that is historic? I'll kick this right to you. Clayton Kershaw sets the Dodgers' all-time strikeout record. What was that moment like watching that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's a moment you can't miss. I don't miss Kershaw starts as is, but, you know, I've been counting down all season. Um, Super special moment. You know, it's my favorite franchise, my favorite player um, outside of Jackie Robinson, you know, rest in peace. But it just what a moment for Kershaw, for a guy who's been synonymous with the Los Angeles Dodgers for 15 straight years, you know, to get there. Um, it, It was a moment in Dodger Stadium, you know, the crowd was going nuts. Very unfortunate they didn't get the win. But just for some context on how crazy this is, Dodgers have been around for 139 years. In my opinion, one of the best clubs for all-time pitchers. You have five Hall of Fame pitchers in front of him on the list or that were in front of him when his career started. You have Don Sutton, Don Drysdale, Sandy Koufax, Dazzy Vance, Fernando Valenzuela. I mean, just incredible Incredible names, and there is one name at the top of the rest, and that is Clayton Kershaw. Gotta love it. And when Don Sutton did it, he held this record for 40 years, uh, and the record was at 2,696 strikeouts. Kershaw ended his day yesterday with 2,700 even. But what was impressive to me is Sutton's L.A. or Dodgers career was 16 years, 533 starts, in 3,816 innings to get to that mark. Kershaw did it in 15 years, 380 starts, and 2,477 innings pitched. Obviously, game is very different, but, I mean, he shaved a full 1,400 innings off to get to the mark. Um, so yeah, just I mean, an incredible moment. It was it was a really great moment. And I think just, like, his reaction to it, I feel like summed up who Clayton Kershaw is, you know, like he got the strikeout. Obviously he knew it was coming. I mean, the whole stadium was on their feet. Obviously he knew. Um, and he's just trying to make his pitch and he gets it out and he apologizes to the pitcher. He's like, my bad, that would like miss the spot. He doesn't want the whole celebration. He's like, let's go, let's go, let's get to the next batter. And it was kind of Freddie Freeman who um, he kind of like had his glove off, glove off and was clapping. And, you know, they did a whole celebration. It was, it was, I mean, for a franchise that's been around for 139 years, it's, it's unbelievably impressive to set the all-time record in anything. You know, this isn't like a club that started in the 50s or 60s. I mean, this is a club that's been around since the 1800s. And to set an all-time strikeout record is just unbelievably impressive. Lock for the Hall of Fame, all-time legend Clayton Kershaw. You know, and one of the things, like you said, that I loved about the moment, and it's the best testament to Kershaw, like you said, is the catcher wasn't in a squat. The batter wasn't in his box. No one was ready to go. Everyone's clapping. The ump's clapping. Everyone's excited. Kershaw's standing on the rubber like, fellas, what are we doing? We got a game. I got, like, I'm ready to throw this slider. Let's go. And it's just such a Clayton Kershaw moment to have 
uh, arguably one of the biggest shining spots of his career. And he's just like next, next pitch. Like he didn't even toss the ball initially, you know, like you said, Freddie had to get involved. Last question I'll pose to you before we get off the topic. Um, do you think he's at 2,700 strikeouts right now? Is he going to hit that next milestone? Will Clayton Kershaw be a 3,000 strikeout pitcher, Max? I mean, it's possible. I, it doesn't seem like Kershaw. I mean, obviously he signed, re-signed with the Dodgers in the offseason. Um, I don't think he's that near retirement. I mean, obviously he's up there in age, but if he's still pitching like he is, then he can he can keep going. Um, and I don't think – I just think the competitor he is. I don't think he'll retire until, you know, he can't pitch anymore. So I, th- I think he could definitely reach it. I hope it, it could be a little bit of a sweat, but uh, it's certainly attainable. I uh, really hope he gets that. That would be like the extra cherry on top of that career. But incredible moment. He nearly had it versus Miguel Cabrera. He had an 0-2 count on him. Miguel Cabrera gets professional hitter, gets the hit. Would have been a great moment because Miguel had his moment last week. But, you know, the strikeout happened. Spencer Torkelson, welcome to the league. You may be the number one prospect, but come on, buddy. I mean, there's levels. <laughs> he, he'll be the answer to a pretty good trivia question. That's for sure. That's um, and I would move on? us into other news on the Dodger <laughs> pitcher front. Uh, one who's not an active pitcher and because of this ruling will not be an active Dodger pitcher for at least two full seasons. Yeah. Trevor Bauer, you know, we've talked about this case a couple times on the podcast, um, obviously was suspended or uh, on administrative leave for all of last year for the Dodgers, despite signing a massive contract. Um, but big news, the MLB of course does its own investigation within these cases under um, the league sports domestic, pol- sports domestic policy. So even though he wasn't tried or charged criminally by the Los Angeles district attorney's office, he was suspended by the MLB for 324 games, which totals two full seasons as the longest punishment and ever under the league sports domestic policy since it was instituted in 2015. Bauer immediately stated that he would be appealing Um, And so that makes him the first player to actually appeal one of these rulings under the policy. But he, you know, he, his side this whole time has been that he didn't do it. There's now three women who've come, come forward making claims against him. And so the MLB will do do, and has done its own 10 month investigation into their story. So we don't know exactly what the details of their findings were, but you know, James, this is my thought is if they're going to come down so hard, you know, more than two times, the, the previous record holder, for the lack of a better term, of longest suspension for a domestic policy issue, if they're going to come down so hard on him, does that mean they must have found something, you know, more damning under their own rules than the district's attorney's office found? Well, you know, I have some, some struggle with this suspension, and I'll get into that. But to answer your question, I want to say no, because... Look, this is Major League Baseball. If Major League Baseball can investigate crimes and criminal activity better than the Los Angeles County District Attorney, we have a major flaw in the criminal justice system. I mean, this second biggest city in America, you know, that can't, if you can't get it done there, I don't know. Of course, you know, the MLB doesn't have the legal scrutiny to prove stuff. So, you know, accusations can, can go a little bit further with them um, than they would otherwise. But there has to be something there, right? I mean, 
you're not coming out with two years just because, um, you know, and it's nice at least that there was some resolution or action. We'll see how this appeal goes just because they have extended this administrative leave. I believe it's all the way up to like eight times they've extended it. Finally bringing this rule in. Um, and I'm going to give my thoughts on the suspension and then hear Please, your reaction. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, here's what I don't understand either. He really did all this stuff and it is bad, bad, bad. And he needs to be banned from major league baseball and not allowed to play the game ever again. Or it is not what it's cracked out to be. And you either reinstate him immediately or give him a little 10 game, 20 game and get out of there. But this weird two year limbo, it's like one of the bigger suspensions they've ever handed down. So it's like, so it was bad enough that he can't play for two years, but in three years we forgive him. I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and so like this ruling took into account, I think the 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 statements from three different women who claimed that Trevor Bauer did something inappropriate sexually to them. And so you know, look, the MLB is a private corporation; they can have their own rules and regulations, and they may have you know done their own investigation or heard their own things that they were able to deem you know, violated some major part of their domestic policy. But the thing is like two full seasons is a big time suspension. So it does make me feel like, you know, this, they must have really found something. Um, you know, it's interesting because I, 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 you know, we don't know all the details of everything within the court case, but it is interesting for them to come down so hard. But James, my question to you is he's missed he'll So he missed all of last season and he'll miss, Assuming the appeal stands or the suspension stands, which he's appealing it, so who knows what will happen. But assuming it stands, he'll miss the next two years as well. And so by the time the suspension's over, he'll be 33 years old and won't have played in the majors for three whole seasons. I mean, is somebody going to take their chance on him or is he ever going to pitch in the MLB again? Yeah, I think the real question to me isn't, will the ability be there? He obviously is continuing to train. He said himself that he now has a new pitch in the repertoire. Uh, to me, the question is from an organization, you know, a social cause, the publicity, the backlash, is a team willing to risk their brand, a hit to their brand to bring him in? And as you said, he's super elite in the past. They probably would have, but for a 33-year-old who hasn't pitched in three years, is that the guy that you risk your brand for? I don't know. I mean, maybe some of these smaller market teams I could potentially see making a deal because that may be their best avenue ever at getting a really, really good pitcher at a reasonable rate they can pay. Maybe he goes back to the Reds, but it's hard to tell. I mean, the way things are moving and banned, by the way, there's two more years for the social climate to accelerate even more to make him nearly untouchable. And as any of this comes out, I'm sure once the appeal process is through, we'll get a little more context. And like you said, if there is worse information that we don't know when that gets out, then I don't think he pitches again, not in major league baseball. Yeah. And these appeals, you know, they've, they've worked for players um, before. And so what will happen is Bauer's side, who will be represented by his own lawyers as well as the Players Association lawyers, um, they'll present its case saying, you know, maybe not that he didn't do these things or whatever, but maybe that the suspension's unfair. They'll just try to appeal the suspension. MLB will present its own side of the case, um, and an arbiter will render a decision on the case. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I like your point about the, the changing social climate. I do think it's 
a good point. I mean, we have two two years until he'll come back. Now, that being said, I don't think, you know, if if it does come out that he did something really egregious, I don't think the social climate will change to say that's okay. But, you know, there's a lot that can still happen. The appeal process, two years is a long time. Can Bauer stay healthy? Will teams sign him? Um, something we'll just have to see. It's really, you know, it's tough to see a guy. Um, you know, we both live in Ohio. He played for the Reds. He played for the Indians. Um, so, you know, we've watched him closely. And to see him really grow as a pitcher from somebody who, you know, just threw hard, had a good spin rate to a Cy Young Award winner signing a $40 million deal with the Dodgers. To see him kind of tumble like that is, is really tough to see. Um, but, James, I mean, anything else to add on Trevor Bauer? Yeah, I'll just say from the Dodgers' perspective, the whole time he's been on administrative leave, they've had to pay that contract. Now that he's on the suspension, they don't. That is clearing up about $70 million in payroll. So everyone loves to hate on the Dodgers spending money. Guess what? They may not have that Cy Young pitcher. They got plenty of other Cy Youngs in there, and now they got a boatload of money to spend on more talent. Uh, I personally, I hope he never rocks the Dodger blue again. I don't think he's deserving of it. Move on. At least get him off the Dodgers. There you go. James, how about we continue on? Um our next topic that we're going to talk about is one that we're going to do every month, and I'm pretty excited for it. It is the April Power Rankings, the top five teams in baseball. Each of us pick five. We also have our AL, NL, MVPs, and Cy Young Award winners. You know, James, when you were coming up with this list, I mean, was it hard for you, um, for the teams in particular, the top five, was it hard for you to narrow down from like eight to seven to six all the way to five? I think for me where it got hard was about – Top seven. I think once you get to top seven, you know, in my head, six, seven, you know, four, five, six, seven could somewhat be all interchangeable, especially this early on. The sample size is small enough that, you know, definitely some mobility there. But for the top half of this, it was pretty easy. I mean, there are some powerhouse teams in baseball. We talked about some of them last episode. It's, you know, wasn't the hardest thing ever. Um, for me, I'm curious if we'll have the same five teams. Uh, you know, I, I think we, I, I have a hunch that we will have the same top five, but I'm not sure about the order. Um, I think it's possible we have the same order, but I mean, should we just go right into it? I'll just, you give me your five and I'll give you my fifth team. Go ahead. All right. I'm going to give you my five and then we'll do justification afterwards. If there's pushback and the kind of find it, maybe I'll provide a little justification as we go. One Maybe a little bit of a homer pick. I got the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're 13-7 and seven on the year. The lineup isn't even anywhere close to getting going, uh, and they've showed that they can be lethal. They've got the arms. I think long-term into the season, they'll be there. They'll be up there, start to finish wire to wire. Number two, to me, it's got to be the New York Mets. Without their best player, the pitchings look phenomenal. The offense is there. They seem to have that winning drive. Got the Mets there. And number three, I mean – there's no way I couldn't hit the Yankees there. They're on a nine-game winning streak, 15-6. and six. They look like just animal. You know, it looks like the murderers row Yankees. They're just clubbing everything out of the stadium. It helps when you right field wall 16 feet away. Uh, number four, I hate to have them on my board. To keep it honest, San Francisco Giants, we talked about them last episode, 14-7 and seven on the year. You know, look solid. Gabe Kepler, great manager. And number five, could have gone a lot of ways. I had to throw the Toronto Blue Jays on here. I mean, they're a wagon. The pitching looks great. Offense looks incredible. 
you know, I think they're probably better than five, but given the Yankees and Mets, Giants' recent success, I think they're five. I like the list. I actually do have the same five teams. Um, it's the same five teams, a different order. But here, I'll, I'll go right now. My number one team, I went with the Mets. Um, I think they just have all the pieces um, right now. And not only that, I guess they don't have all the pieces because they don't have DeGrom. But they've looked really good, and they're still going to get the best pitcher in all of baseball. Max Scherzer has been great. Chris Bassett has been great. Carrasco, Taewon Walker. Their pitching has looked really good. Lindor's had a good season. A lot of their players have had comeback type seasons, and they've been able to get a lot of good wins. They're six and three at home. They have a plus thirty three win dif- run differential, and we'll talk about them later on Sunday Night Baseball. Um, my number two, Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, I think you covered it well. They just, you know, we've talked about them preseason that they just have the best roster in baseball. Um, and their offense has got getting going despite the rough loss to the Diamondbacks last week. They've got a great team that's looking to only get better from here. Number three, this is where we were the same. You know, I had the Yankees at three as well. Their power has just really been showing up. They're 16 and six, like you said, 10 and three at home. Uh, the largest run differential in all of the American League by nearly double second place. They have a nine game win streak. Rizzo, Stan, Judge, they're all looking really good. The Yankees, you know, Yankees and Mets both being good is fun. Four, I also differ from you here. I have Toronto Blue Jays at four. Um, I think the Blue Jays have looked really good thus far. They're 15 and eight in the AL East, playing the Rays, the Red Sox, the Yankees. Um, they are coming off a win against the Astros. They've beaten a lot of good teams. And I think that offense will be there with Chapman, Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero, George Springer. Um, and they'll get Teosco Hernandez back. And plus, Kevin Gossman has looked really, really good. He's looking like a Cy Young this early in the season. And number five, finally, San Francisco Giants. Um, <clears throat> they have a plus 34 run differential. They're 14 and eight. They actually did just drop in the third place in the NL West, funny enough, because the Padres are rising. But I really like this Giants team. They have a plus 34 run differential. As I said, that's the second highest in the National League. Rodon, Logan Webb, uh, their whole pitching staff's looking really good thus far. So, James, I mean, pretty similar top five teams. Well, it'll be fun to see how this evolves um, as the season goes on. Yeah, I think it's very telling that independently we came to the same conclusion on top five. And, you know, you can mix and match, but this early on, quite, quite frankly, you know, you really could probably plug these teams uh, anywhere in that list. Uh, so, yeah, as you said, excited. I expect some of these teams to drop out of this list. I expect some of the hot rising teams to make their way up into this list. Um, but let's get right into it. I suggest we start with the American League MVP Way too early, way, way too early. It's May 1st, but Max, season ends today. Who is your American League MVP? Yeah, season ends today. Um, My AL MVP is a guy that wasn't really on a lot of people's radar when the season started, but his two teammates were, and that's Taylor Ward from the Los Angeles Angels. Um, I would have him as my AL MVP thus far. I mean, look, he's one of the main reasons why the Angels have um, the hottest offense in all of baseball, the highest OPS. He's uh, His on-base percentage is 500. He's batting 400. His OPS is 1.284. Um, he's 12 strikeouts to 11 walks, five homers, 13 RBIs, sitting in that leadoff spot where they moved him to 
um, with Trout and Otani behind him. He's been a big spark for that Angels team, which there were so many questions mark, question marks about because everybody wants them in the postseason. They've got the two best players in baseball. Can they do it? And right now they sit two and a half games up in the AL West. And I think a lot of it's to do to Taylor Ward um, in that leadoff spot. I think he's been really impressive. Now for my American League MVP, I'll give you mine. And then I have a little bit of pushback on your pick. Mine, I had to take Jose Ramirez. He's got a 342 batting average, seven home runs, 28 RBIs at a 1.133 OPS. That's on base plus slugging at a thousand. You're in the elite category, you know. So, but this Cleveland team, as we've seen, they are winning games, many more games than we would expect. You know, they're dropping some series, but already I believe they completed three sweeps on the year. Um, yeah, it's funny. Their last seven series, I think it was like sweep, sweep, swept, swept, sweep, sweep. So they're either getting swept or sweeped or and, whatever. And it's just, you know, with, without Jose Ramirez, I don't think this Cleveland team stands a chance. 28 runs batted in this early on is super substantial. And to me, that's why it's got to be MVP because, you know, ultimately he's that valuable to his club. And that's where my pushback comes from because my runner up for MVP on my list is your MVP's teammate, and that's Mike Trout. So my mm -hmm. problem is, while I totally agree with you, Taylor Ward, you know, he is a huge reason that the Angels are having all the success they are. If there's a conversation to be had that you're not even the MVP on your team, I don't think you can be the league MVP. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. And, you know, I, I guess if Taylor Ward, if it was, if the season ended, would I give the award to, would I give the award to Taylor Ward? Um, I don't know. I mean, I just think them moving him up to that leadoff spot and him looking as impressive as he has, and Trout's missed some time early, but I think if he not only continues this pace, he could definitely be in that conversation. And I think, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for that team being where they've been. Because look, they've had Otani and Trout these past couple of years, and it's been just them. And we haven't seen them be that successful. And we're only 22 games in the season, so it's a small sample size. But I don't know. I don't know. I like what he's done. He's got the numbers. Yeah, he, he certainly has the numbers, and I agree with you. This Angels team is starting to fade from its preseason perception of its two players. Those two guys are boss. Taylor Ward certainly adding to that conversation. Let's kick it over to the National League, Max. I'll uh, give you the, the first nod again. Who is your NL MVP season ends today? I'm going with my guy, Nolan. Um, I think Nolan's been extremely impressive. Nolan Arenado for the Cardinals. Look, his OPS is at 1.125. He's slugging at a 681 clip, which both are leading the National League. He's batting 375. He's hit five homers and 17 RBIs. Plus, his defense has been as good as always. Um, you know, he's always he's still making great plays at third. And so I just think all around, he's been the biggest spark for, spark for this team, and his offense has been unbelievable. So I got to go with Arenado. Yeah, totally love the pick. He was number one on my board. I think it's pretty clear. Like, he has been the best player in the National League. Um, but I got a guy, again, on my list who I'm going to pivot to who I like because he's keeping his team alive, and that is a player I have long hated, long had beef with, but I have to give it up to Manny Machado. He's batting 381 on the year, four homers, 15 RBIs, just above that 1,000 mark with the OPS up 1.055. But what's impressive me is he's kept the Padres around, kept them lingering, 
and they have to stay in the conversation long enough to get Fernando Tatis back on the field. So obviously this being the too early MVP, that's why he's the MVP to me of the National League because he's keeping the Padres relevant. He's keeping them in the NL West conversation long enough to get his teammate back and get the Padres squared away. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Uh, he he and um you know, he's been one of the main reasons that the Padres are able to stay at this point tied for first in the NL West. So yeah, good pick. Um how about how about your Cy Young? Let me kick it back to you. Your how about AL Cy Young winner thus far into the season? Let me just say this about the Cy Youngs. I had multiple guys pulled for both MVPs. Cy Young, not the case. I think this is the most clear-cut conversation ever in mm-hmm. my name. In my opinion, there are two names for either – not even two names. There's one for the AL, one for the NL, and those are the guys. My AL Cy Young, coming from my beloved second-place Seattle Mariners, Logan Gilbert. I mean, he's 3-0. and He's pitched five games on the year. Has a, <laughs> this is common. Has a .34 ERA. Pitched 26.1 innings, he has 24 strikeouts, and his whip, which is walks and hits per inning, basically how many base runners per inning, he's under one. He's got .87, allowing less than one runner per game, allowing less than one run per game. I mean, it it doesn't get better than this, and he hasn't lost the game. Well, I mean, that's a good pick. Um, and, you know, I talked about Logan Gilbert the other day on my Spicy and Dicey. You know, or not, excuse me, my player watch, because he was, you know, the player I thought was performing really well. But I actually went um, somewhere different here. I took the newly acquired Toronto Blue Jay, Kevin Gossman. Um, I think, you know, he was in the conversation last year. He finished sixth. He was 21st in MVP voting. And I think thus far this year, you know, he's just been exceptional. He has a 2.19 ERA, which isn't, you know, at the top of the big leagues thus far. But his FIP, which is fielder independent pitching, so how well he's pitching independent of his fielders, is an MLB leading .54. He hasn't given up a homer or a walk all season. Um, last year, Corbin Burns set the record for 58 straight strikeouts before walking a batter. And right now, Kevin Gossman's at 41 after today he got 10 Ks, no walks. So I, I just think he's been really impressive. And I think a lot of the times with the Cy Young, um, not all the times, but you'll see the winner being on a really good team. That's just also, you know, caused by the pitcher being so good, he gets wins. And I think the Blue Jays are clearly in the conversation of one of the best teams in baseball, and Kevin Gossman has done an amazing job in his new home. Yeah, I like I like the pink, and also just to add, with the 2.19 ERA, that's still ridiculous. Like that is still yeah. a ridiculous ERA. It's just like the .34 Logan Gilbert has. That's like not even video game numbers. It's it's inhuman. Um We'll see how it all averages out. I like to pick, and we said early on, Kevin Gossman was going to be essential to Toronto's run. Um, Now, I don't like a little bit of a ricochet shot. I don't know if you're trying to tell me that the Mariners aren't good, but uh, you would be very wrong, and they're still winning the AOS. I stand by that prediction. Can't wait for that to come true. So we'll leave it at that. That's why Logan Gilbert's getting the Cy Young. Yeah, there you go. How about your uh, National League one? National League, this one I think is maybe even more of a slam dunk. I'm almost positive mm. I'm stealing this player from you. Uh, it's been your guy. It was your preseason NL Cy Young pick, I believe. That's Carlos Rodon. I mean, he has been ridiculous in, from San Francisco. We knew with Gossman leaving, they needed to replace him. 
Carlos Rodon is almost done more than replacement, in my opinion. He's 3-0 and on the year. He's pitched in four games. Again, ridiculous ERA with the 1.17. He has 38 strikeouts and 23 innings pitched. So that's a ridiculous uh, K per nine rate. And the whip, again, even lower than Logan Gilbert's 0.83. I mean, Carlos Rodon has been ridiculous. I'm not looking forward to the Dodgers having to play against him. I think that's a good pick, and he was definitely on my big board. I mean, you know, we talked about him, too, and how good he was on the White Sox last year. It's a great pick. He's been dominant. Um, but I did go somewhere else. I just went with Mad Max. Um, I think Max Scherzer has been really, really, really good thus far in the year. He's got a 1.93 ERA, a whip, um, or a 1.8, excuse me, ERA, a point, whip at .76. So he allows only .76 batters or base runners per inning, 33 strikeouts, eight walks, 25 innings pitched. He's three, and know, um, I, it just seems like every time Max Scherzer steps on the mound, um, he gives his team a really good chance to win. And we're going to see him tonight on Sunday night baseball. And I, I just think thus far I'd give it to him. And I think he's got a great trajectory to maybe win another this year. I will say I'm absolutely shocked. Like not with the pick, not that it's bad, I was almost certain between taking Rodon and Gilbert, there was going to be one pick I stole from you. And it seems like that's not the case. Because uh, to me, my list, those are the consensus guys. I like where your head's at, but but really shocked that there was no uh, collision there. Yeah, I am too. You know, I, I, I when you said that, I didn't think you would have either of my guys because I didn't feel like mine were super consensus. And I felt like I was kind of going out there with some of them. But, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we picked four great pitchers, so. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's great. You know, Mad Max, weird love-hate relationship I have with him with his tiny stint with the uh, Dodgers, but he's always been incredible. Can't wait to watch him pitch tonight. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, James, you know, we move. let's move on from our awards uh, to our Sunday special that we do every week are spicy and dicey. We've kind of been talking about teams that we think are hot with our top five, but real quick, I mean, who are, who's a team you think is hot right now? Who's a team you think's down right now? Not necessarily best and worst in the league, but just a team that's been performing. Yeah. To me, this was an easy pick. It was a team that was right behind the Mariners for me for the most electric team team. I was excited to watch. That's the Miami Marlins. You know, they had a real slow start to the year. They're 12 and eight. But they are eight and two over their last ten. Now that's going to drop to seven and three with the game today. Going into today's game, they were on a seven-game win streak. They did drop that game. Jazz Chisholm, oh my God! I mean, he looks so good. Just power. He looks like he's been in the league like three, four, five years. I mean, he does not look like he's just starting out. Uh, Jorge Soler was a great pickup for them, and they're pitching. I mean, we knew the arms were there. Sandy Alcantara. Trevor Rogers, we knew the arms were there, and they're exactly what we thought they were. I love watching this Marlins team. I try and turn them on whenever I can. They're just electric, and everything's clicking right now. Yeah, you know, I had two teams on my big board that I wanted to talk about. One was the Angels, but the, the team I'm going to pick, I'm going to take the Minnesota Twins. Um, they didn't start out too hot, but since then, they've just been on a tear. They've won nine out of their last ten games. They have a plus 23 run differential, which is the highest in the central and the second highest in all of the American League. They're 13-9, and nine, three games above the Guardians. They've just looked good. You know, we talked about the site, the the start that Joe Ryan had earlier this week. 
Buxton's been great. You know, we talked, we had a whole segment on him last time and Correa, Max Kepler's hit a bunch of home runs. I just think the twins look good and they look like they might reclaim that, that spot at the top of the AL central after uh, having a really tough season last year. Yeah. You know, I would just point out that I made the prediction of the twins taking that second spot, a little wild card action. Um, and everything's gone about as good as it can for them, unfortunately so. But the White Sox just can't, like, basically can't keep a single player healthy except for Tim Anderson, who unfortunately has the yips and can't field a baseball right now. But, I mean, yeah, it, it the Twins are cooking. Byron Buxton looks great. Cray looks great. They're just, they're getting production. A couple others that I just have to toss the honorable mention to, as, I mean, the New York Yankees, you know, you can't even like you have to include them. They're on a nine-game winning streak. Just incredible stuff. They're nine and one over the last ten. You know, looking scary as ever. Um, the Angels also on my board. I like what you said there. Um, and then I had the Brewers also on my board. I mean, they were eight yeah. and two over the last ten going into today. They did drop that game, but I mean, their run differentials ridiculous over their last ten. The pitching is is still a bit behind the mark from where they were, and I think to me that's what makes them so scary. Is if they get that pitching to click with the offense they found this year, and Yelly looks like he's coming back, that team could get scary very fast. Yeah. Definitely agree. How about your worst team or most underperforming team? And you can't say the Reds. Yeah. And I just want to, you know, the Reds were my first spicy team of the year. They have been my forever dicey team. And at this point, I think that we have the spicy and dicey segment. Plus just the Reds are bad. Look, like I feel terrible for Reds fans. Three and 18 on that. I mean, they're just like, they are terrible. You can't even pick them. They're so bad. Um, At this point, I'd put them on dicey if they start to win again. Because it's like, what's going on in that clubhouse? I don't know. But to me, it's got to be the Boston Red Sox. I mean, they look to start the season. You're like, okay, they're probably not the favorites in the AL East, although I believe they were my AL East pick. But they just, it, it's been not great. The pitching, which should have been their weak point, is actually their only strong point. Their approach at the plate has been terrible. The results thus at the plate have been terrible. They've made bad fielding errors in critical situations. And every time they're about to win a game, they blunder it in the eighth or ninth inning. They're three and seven over the last 10. Uh, they're just losing games that they easily should win, games that they have the lead going in to close it. They can't get it done. And this is a Boston team that is significantly underperforming. Yeah, I'm going to ditto that. Um, I have the Red Sox as well. I think you hit it on the head. I think this team is vastly underperforming. Like you said, they're three and seven in the last 10. And look, it's this offense. This offense isn't producing as we expected. The only player that's really playing great is Xander. And Xander Bogarts is, is playing great. He's got a 369 average of 418 on base and uh, an OPS just under one. The rest of the team, though, like the leader in home runs on this team is Alex Verdugo with three. Um, the rest of the offense just can't get it going. Trevor Story has a 316 on base percentage. Devers has a 313 on base percentage. Uh, Verdugo 278. Kike Hernandez 273. I mean, JD Martinez has been good too, uh, but he's been struggling as of late. But man, they've just been really underperforming. And I'm worried that unless this team obviously has a great rest of the season, in a division with the Yankees and Blue Jays, who are top. You know, we both had them in our top five this year. And the Rays, Red Sox might be in, in trouble. And I think we, at least I had them making the playoffs. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. Yeah, I mean, that, like you said, that division is great. And, and they quickly went from, oh, they can make some noise to 
quickly looking like someone who's going to get left off. Um, you know, I, a lot of this is on Trevor Story in Colorado. He was absolutely elite. He looks almost below average in Boston. Um, the other thing I'll say is the other teams and the reason I went Red Sox, the other teams on my list are, you know, of course, the Reds, which are forever the diciest team. And maybe, and Max, that may be a question I pose to you. Uh, we'll get to that later. But you also have the Cubs and Nationals. But you didn't really expect much, especially the Nationals. I mean, one for nine over their last 10. But, like, the Nationals is literally a bunch of young prospects and then Josh Bell hanging out with Juan Soto. Like, that's what it is. Juan Soto, he's electric. Nothing else there. The Cubs, again, say a Suzuki kind of figuring out what's going on there. But this Red Sox team is supposed to compete. They shouldn't be better than last year's Red Sox team, which went to the ALCS. I mean, it, it's just you got a better roster and are getting way worse results. You hate to see it. And it, they, they almost look lost on the field. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's been a tough start for that team and it's a tough start for that offense. And, and just uh, real, real quick, unless you have anything else to add on the no, segment, go ahead. I've got a quick spin for you, which is the question I'm going to ask you. The Cincinnati Reds right now are 3-18. and 18. Max, are the Reds going to finish as the worst team in the history of Major League Baseball this season? Well, what what's that uh, record? Let me look. Um, yeah. Because, I, I mean, so the worst record ever is 20 and 134 by the Cleveland Spiders in 1899. But in the, and so Philadelphia Athletics in 1960 were 36 and 117. Um, so obviously you'd look by winning percentage. But, I mean, maybe – uh, this team just and, – and indeed, it's not even that they're not getting runs. You know, in a lot of these games, it seems like they're they're producing runs at a decent clip. Joey Votto's not been playing well at all. Um, but it's just their pitching. You know, we've talked about Hunter Green and how great he is, um, or should be. But he hasn't been producing at any type of level yet. And they're on track for 18 wins at this point, which is <laughs> – so what, 18 and 144? Um I think I don't think they'll lose at that rate, but it just seems like they can't get a win to save their life. So I think it's definitely in the cards. This team was supposed to be bad, and it looks like they're going to be bad. I mean, they're even worse than I thought, you know, and I, and I actually did kind of faith and confidence took them at the three spot in the central. We're going to be one of the worst picks of my life. I mean, they look terrible. They are out hitting opponents and still losing games. It's just they, they cannot buy wins. The only time they've won their three games, every time it directly follows the day after Joey Votto's posted a weird TikTok. So he needs to get active on that app, like, immediately. I think they might be the forever dicey team, though. Let's see. Let's see. But how about we turn to the final segment, um, our preview, and then recap of Sunday Night Baseball. We got Phillies versus the Mets. Uh, Phillies on it for the second straight week. And Max Scherzer on the mound for the Mets. The series currently tied at 1-1, so we've got a rubber match. Game one of the series was the Phillies combined no-hitter. I mean, excuse me, the Mets combined no-hitter. Not impressive. And then then the Phillies in game two win 4-1 behind Schwarber, Homer, and Hoskins, Homer. Um, And so, you know, we got an exciting game three tonight. Scherzer on the mound. James, what are your thoughts about the game? Yeah, I mean, it's of the Sunday night matchups we've covered outside of that Yankees Red Sox to open the series. This is the one I'm most excited about. I mean, you got all lights on Max Scherzer to me. That is the reason I'm tuning in. I want to see him on the rubber. I want to see him annihilate batters and embarrass them. 
And again, I am upset that Philly made me sit through that game where they didn't produce a single run last week. I'm looking forward to them not producing a run tonight. Yeah, we'll see. Zach Eflin versus Max Scherzer, Sunday Night Baseball, rubber match. Um, let's pick our bets, and then we'll talk to you post-game. James, give me your bet. So I was struggling. You know, it's a split series, rubber match, as he said. Who do you pick? Who do I think could win? I couldn't get a good read on the situation. I'm taking a bet that I swear against, and I hate, hate, hate taking. One of my least favorite bets to take, but I'm confident in it tonight. I have under seven runs at minus 115. Reason I'm taking that, Mad Max speaks for himself. I mean, he's just phenomenal. As you said, he's your NL Cy Young right now. He's great. I don't think the Phillies are going to be able to shake him up at all. And Elfin, I love what he does is he has one of the lowest rates of hard hit balls against him. You couple that with the fact that the Mets have the third lowest hard hit ball rate as an offense. That combination, I'm not expecting the Mets to create a lot of offense, not get a lot of power there. I love Scherzer holding it. For that reason, I am very confident this game goes under seven runs. Okay. I'm going with a Max Scherzer bet. I like Max Scherzer over nine and a half strikeouts um, for minus 115. I think, you know, he threw over 10 Ks against the Cardinals in his last start. He's just been hot. He's Mad Max. He throws a lot of Ks. Um, so I'm going Mad Max strikeout total. Just real quick, I'm so happy I slid the under in as my pick because Mad Max Ks was my second pick. I like the pick. I like where your head's at, Max. Now let's go watch some great pitching. And unlike last week, I'm ready for it. I'm geared up for it. Looking for a low-run game featuring Max Scherzer annihilating batters. Let's go hit some bets. We'll be back in just a second to recap what we watch. And James, we are back after another Sunday night baseball like we said, Phillies, Mets, Mets win the series 10 to 6. They win their seventh straight series. They've won every series this year, which is something that this is the first time they've done that in their franchise history. Um, James, what are your thoughts about the game? Well, before the game, uh, as I was watching, I actually saw a tweet um, that came off that was pretty cool. And that was 11 years ago was when the Mets and Phillies also played on Sunday Night Baseball, and that is when it came out that Osama bin Laden had been killed, and there was the awesome, like, USA Chan and, like, that feeling in the stadium. So, you know, we didn't get any crazy special moment like that, but love the game. I mean, it was a super, super fun game. In my opinion, it was the most exciting game I think that we've gotten in Sunday Night Baseball in terms of just like electricity was enjoying the ride like just a lot of great stuff you saw some wicked movement some great pitching obviously saw baseballs get crushed saw some good you know run manufacturing it's also incredible catches uh pretty much all by Starling Marte I mean he was a menace out there just highlight after highlight in right field yeah Marte had that one one catch in particular that was pretty awesome um yeah, Mets win 10-6. to six. Um, From the Philly side, Bryce Harper hit a homer and Schwarber hit two homers. Um, and then there was that ninth inning Camargo blast to make it 9-6 instead of 9-4. No homers from the Mets, although Jeff McNeil went four for five. Uh, Eduardo Escobar went two for five. Uh, Dominic Tom Smith, Smith went had a four huge for four. Four for four, three RBIs. Um, big game for him. Starling awesome. Marte, like you said, three RBIs. 
I would add on the Dom Smith with roster cuts looming, going from the 28 to the 26-man roster, Dom Smith is probably on a handful of guys who were maybe question marks. You know, who, who are the Mets? They look like they have to cut two. Who's going to be there? Dom Smith was kind of on that short list. I think he, uh, when all the lights were on him, he kind of made it made it impossible for the Mets to uh, cut him. So great game from him. He looked electric, second four-hit game of his career. And, and like you said, I mean, the run manufacturing was incredible by the Mets, very disciplined on the base paths. And they were rewarded every time that they held up. It seemed that, you know, their teammates came around, batted them in, were just smashing hard hit balls, dropping them in the gap, hitting against the shift. Really just a clinic of great station-to-station baseball, just great hitting. Yeah, I mean, the the Mets as a whole, 15 hits um, as a team. The the Phillies had eight. They did have those three home runs compared to known to the Mets. But let's talk about our bets for a second. I had um, Scherzer over nine and a half, so at least 10 Ks. He finished at nine Ks. So still looking for my first Sunday night baseball win. And James as well with you. I, I got obliterated. I had under seven. I felt great about it uh, pretty quickly in. I think it was in the fourth inning, we were at a 3-3 game, and mathematically yeah. I had lost by then. But they, they doubled. They went double the over and then some. So, you know, sometimes you miss them. Unfortunately, haven't got one on Sunday Night Baseball yet. Looking to come back with a uh, come back with a vengeance. I know next week is one I am just, like, foaming at the mouth to get to. That is the Los Angeles Dodgers playing the Chicago Cubs. Mm. Can't wait for that. Prime time. Everyone will get to see what I'm seeing. Bats are going to come alive. But this game, incredible game. Love the atmosphere at City Field. Uh, you know, was happy that the Phillies didn't disappoint after last game. I know I had my criticisms and critiques for their lack of offense. They definitely brought the offense. And still the pitching was great. You know, Scherzer looked like a beast, as he said. Got the nine Ks. Couldn't get the 10th, but... Still was surgical up there, struck out the first five batters. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, you're you're flying through this. That's no sweat. Then went a couple innings, I think two or three, then it get a single strikeout and came back. Um, and, that, you know, Elfin, again, that sinker, just ridiculous sinker he's got. Um, I think it comes in at about 94, and it's got some wicked movement, you know, at least. Yeah, when Scherzer, when Scherzer struck out the side in the first, I was like, I was pretty hyped. I, I, I thought I had the bet on lock, but. He also, what's weird is Scherzer just did like a hundred pitch game, I think last mm-hmm. game. And yep, he seems to get two. a pick up. Yeah, he got past two and he got pulled pretty quick tonight. Not too quick, but, you know, I thought he maybe could have gotten one more out of him. Yeah, he threw 94 pitches, six innings pitched, five hits, four runs, nine Ks, one walk, gave up three home runs, two to Schwarber, one to Harper. Um, so, I mean, not the worst start in the world. I mean, it's not his best start. He gave up four earned runs, but he still struck out nine. And, you know, you're going to give up runs, especially to, to this level of offense. Yeah, I mean, that's a Phillies team, as we've said. It's They're hit or miss. You know, they're either going to be on the ball or not. And normally, if you're Philly, if you're scoring six runs, that's normally going to get you there. Um, you know, of course, what I will say is we've talked at, at nauseum about how Philly opted to go against the defense. Multiple errors in the infield tonight, just something I noted, you know, a couple balls that were like, give me ridiculously easy ground balls and just couldn't execute, either lost the ball in the, uh, you know, transfer from glove to hand or they just didn't cleanly field it. But 
got to see some stuff. Also, a um, little fun note, Francisco Lindor was on the mic to start the game, eventually mm-hmm. took it off. But that was a little electric, what I picked up when I had it before. Um, and just how much he gets into the bilingual. I mean, he is like snapping back and forth between English and Spanish. All the <laughs> yeah. um, and it's just pretty awesome because he's like screaming in Spanish and turns to second baseman is yelling out of an English back to Spanish. And uh, so, you know, really fun game. Um, and the Mets did, you know, I had some texts coming in during the game. Oh, this Mets team is, you know, really energized, you know, we're like really looking electric. It's like, this is what the Mets are. You know, they haven't mm-hmm. been that way. It's early in the season. We're about 21 games in, give or take one or two. Um, but this Mets team is electric. If they don't get it done with the long ball, they're getting it done, just producing, hitting, defense. It's a fun team to watch. And, man, Jake DeGrom gets at it. This team's going to be terrifying. Yeah, I mean, Mets Mets were founded um, in 1962, and this is the first time ever they've started seven series, 7-0. and And, I mean, look, look what the postseason is. It's can you win a series? Can you win a, a set of games against an opponent? And they've done it seven times in a row to start the season against formidable teams. Like, I mean, they've had some easy wins, of course, but they won 3-1 against the Giants. They won 2-1 against the Cardinals. They won 2-1 against the Phillies. They've beaten up on some good teams. I mean, I put the Mets as the best team in baseball. I think you put them as their second. This is a good team. And I actually would be willing, after watching that game, I would would slide them up. I'll pin them above the Dodgers for the power ranking, you know, looking after that game because that was the question, like, Without the long ball, can they score runs? And I was just so, so impressed by the hitting against the shift and the way we've seen them just drop balls on the gap uh, and just get it done. So incredible game. Excited for next week. I'm I'm actually, weirdly enough, hoping that the Cubs bring their A game because I want the Sunday night game to be, you know, pretty good. Unfortunately, the Dodgers either lose or slaughter teams. They haven't really <laughs> won close games. Uh, you know, Crimble hasn't really been an asset yet, but... But we'll see. Fun game. Still love uh, Sunday Night Baseball. I'll ask you, were you K-Rod or were you normal broadcast tonight? I was K-Rod. I was K-Rod. I was listening. Uh, they had some good guests. Ryan Howard was there. Um, obviously, Philly's legend. They, they had some actors on as well. Uh, but I liked listening to A-Rod break down the game. And I thought I last week I listened to the regular one, so I wanted to switch back. I went regular tonight, but... Uh... We'll see. I probably should have gone K-Rod because I'd like to click back into K-Rod, but I'm not sure, you know. I'm just not sure I can K-Rod the Dodgers broadcast. That's going to be a, a tough True. one for me. But, yeah, I, I missed the guest on K-Rod. Like you said, Ryan Howard, that's a great one to get just for Philly. They always try and incorporate at least a kind of a legend or stud from both teams. Um, yeah, so. yeah. Great game. That, that yeah. wraps up the week. Great and, game. Uh, Episode 31 in the books. In the books, follow the Twitter, you know, let us know um, what you're thinking. What are your power rankings look like? Who do you have as too, too early MVP, too early Cy Young? Um, just let us know. And how are you feeling about Sunday Night Baseball as a whole? K-Rod, no K-Rod, hoping to get some takes. Rounding third now, that's rounding 3RD now. Cool. Talk to you guys later. Thank you.